The following is paid commercial programming. Third-party rankings are no guarantee of future investment success. Working with a highly rated advisor does not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a high level of performance. Investment performance is not an explicit criterion because clients' investments goals differ. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client. Generally, rankings are based on information prepared and submitted by the advisor. Statements saying that we told our clients to be out of the market in 2008 refer to recommendations made by MMWKM's principals while employed at Eagle Strategies, LLC. The team that manages accounts at MMWKM are the same individuals with that responsibility at Eagle Strategies and at Cambridge Research from 2009 to 2011. MMWKM was created in 2011 and uses the same exit strategy. A more thorough disclosure of the criteria used in making these rankings is available by contacting MMWKM Advisors, LLC. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Money Matters. And here's your host, Ken Moray. We're in the money. We're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. We are the in the money. The skies are sunny. You are through. You've done us wrong. And old man recession, you are through. You have done us wrong. Well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to Money Matters with Ken Morayf. And of course, I am your host, Ken Morayf. And this is the show where we talk about everything and anything in the world of retirement planning. We talk about the stock market. We talk about uh, social security. We talk about investments, estate planning. You name it, we talk about it. And we try to have more fun than a human being should be allowed to have when talking about all this boring financial stuff. And this week's going to be no exception because we have an absolutely fantastic show lined up for you. But before we go one step further, let me introduce myself. I am Ken Morayf, the host of Money Matters with Ken Morayf. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. And I am founder and senior retirement planner at Retirement Planners of America. And we are a firm that specializes in retirement planning, as the name implies. And so we work with the most wonderful people in the entire universe. And that's people who are retired or who are retiring soon. And if that's you, this show is designed for you. And also, um, just so you're aware, our website is rpoa.com. And if you go there, you can watch videos, you can listen to podcasts, you can uh, read articles on all kinds of stuff regarding um, retirement planning. And, uh, you know, I've got some exciting news. Uh, our podcast has just been growing gangbusters. Um, just in this month alone, we've already uh, increased our uh, listenership by over 2,000 people who have subscribed. So if you haven't subscribed to the show, then uh, please do go to your uh, whatever streaming service you use. And we're there. It's Money Matters with Ken Morayf, of course. And subscribe. You can get it uh, delivered to you and listen to it at your leisure. Um, recently, Barron's named moi, your faithful host, one of the top 100 uh, financial advisors. Actually, they did that eight years in a row, which is mind-blowing. But without our beloved and most valued clients, I can tell you we'd be nowhere. So if you, uh, all you clients, we love you, we thank you. And again, if you're not a client, our website is rpoa.com. So let me go over with you what we're going to talk about on this, our weekly excursion into the land of retirement planning. So first of all, um, as you may know, the, uh, the Federal Reserve has been telling us that all this inflation, 6% inflation, the biggest 
you know, jump in inflation and who knows how long, uh, is all transitory. It'll pass. Don't worry about it. But what does transitory mean? I mean, when, how, how long do we go? Like if we're still two years from now with this kind of inflation, is it still transitory or has it changed? And also with the Delta variant, the supply chains are getting uh, uh, impaired by that. And so could inflation cause the next down market if it becomes not transitory, but a little bit more permanent? So we want to talk about that because it could create, we believe, the next bear market. So we'll talk about that with you in just a moment. Also, one of the questions that we talk about very often with clients is how much should you have in an emergency fund? Okay, so how much should you have set aside to cover unusual non-recurring types of expenses? And so I want to answer that question for you so that you can make sure you have that. And we like to create that emergency fund first before we go investing anything. Okay, and the reason why is because you got to have a strong foundation. So we'll talk about that uh, also. Now, one of the things that comes up almost in every conversation with clients, it seems, is uh, and, and prospective clients, is that, you know, when, how should I take Social Security? And uh, the math, if you just look at the straight up math, says that waiting until you're 70 usually makes more sense than taking it earlier than that. But I want to tell you why the math could be wrong. Okay, and why it may be a good idea for you to take it sooner rather than later. And so we'll talk about that later on in the show as well. Now, one of the foundational philosophies that we have is that growth is important, but protection of principle is even more important. Okay, so when you're 20, 30, 40, and maybe, you know, maybe pushing 50, uh, you're, you're going for growth, you're potentially taking a little bit more risk. And all that's fine and dandy, and, and you've got time. But once you get within five years of retirement or you are retired, then we believe that protecting your principal becomes a very, very important part of the equation. And so we talked about bear markets and all that kind of stuff and protecting against that. Well, but the answer that you might give is, Ken, the last three bear markets, 2015, 2018, last year with the pandemic, they were fast. Yeah, the market went down a lot, but it recovered so fast. So why do I have to worry about it? Well, I'm going to tell you later on in the show that you ignore the next bear market at your own peril. And we'll discuss that in some detail. So you know what, Jack? Most shows would actually stop right there. Most shows would say, if we did just that, we have done more than our listening audience could possibly want from a financial show. Boom! Somebody stop me! Don't you dare stop me because on this show, do we only go where people expect us to? Of course we don't. We boldly go where no financial show has gone before. And therefore, at about 10 till, we will have our estate tip of the week. And this week, we're going to talk about love units. Now, I've talked about this in the past. Uh, and uh, I think that it's a very important concept and so we're going to talk about what are love units when it comes to leaving an inheritance to your greedy, unwashed, undeserving heirs. All right. So we'll have that for you at about 10 till. And we'll talk about, uh, you know, love, which is always a great topic to talk about. And speaking of love, um, I just want to give you an update. So we had our family Zoom call um, two nights ago. And my oldest daughter, Alexa, is now 
Um, with she's uh, seven days from the baby being due. Now, what I always say is, you know, the baby is not early or late. The baby arrives when the baby arrives, okay? So what the doctor said when the due date is, and then they say, well, the baby's late or early. No, he's not. <laughs> the baby's always on time. It's the doctor that was early or late. But be that as it may, we had her stand up. We said, you know, Alexa, stand up and turn sideways. And it was like, wow, <laughs> she is, she's ready. I mean, uh, that, that baby is going to be a big boy. Uh, we don't have a name. She won't give us the name. I think she has one, but claims that she doesn't. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, with it, uh, potentially next week when I do the show for you, um, I'll be giving you an update that I'll be uh, a brand new grandfather. So that's pretty exciting. So let's talk about inflation and is it transitory? Could it cause the next down market? Now, if you've listened to this show over the last several months, you know that we've been saying that we're going to see new all-time highs for the rest of this year and into next year, and that's actually what's been happening. We said we would see the Dow at 35,000, and that happened as well. So we're still bullish. We're still optimistic about where we go from here. But certainly, inflation is a big, I guess, wrench in, in the machine works. And what could cause it to not be transitory? So right now what's happening is, is that the Federal Reserve is calming everybody down and saying, don't worry about inflation because they're saying that it is transitory. And I told you that they would be using that word. It would become the word of the day. I don't think you can watch the talking heads on, on television without the word transitory coming up at least four times an hour. But anyway, so... Is inflation transitory? Well, it appeared that a lot of the inflationary pressures were starting to abate as the Fed said they would. Lumber prices were dropping, steel prices were dropping, transportation prices were dropping. And the reason why we had that initial surge of inflation was because we had this big mismatch between the uh, number of the, the demand and the supply. That seemed to be taking care of itself. The Fed looked to be right, and everybody was happy about that. Well, guess what's happening? With the Delta variant and the, the surge in new cases, now the supply chain has become constricted again. Factories are starting to restrict people overseas. Shipments are starting to slow down. Um, it's becoming more difficult to get uh, to ship things on, on boats. And so the cost of stuff is starting to go back up again with this Delta variant. So could that cause the next bear market? Yes. Will it? We don't believe so. So this is going to be probably the big talk. You're going to hear a lot of people wringing their hands and worrying about it. But we think we're going to play through this. The one thing that we do worry about, which we don't think will happen, is that suddenly the government wakes up and says, all right, we're going to lock the country down. I don't, we just don't see that because it's going to be a state-by-state state thing, and it's not going to be uh, – we don't think it politically will fly, but it's certainly in the realm of possibilities. But barring a big uh, long-term spike in inflation, which we don't see, the Delta variant, we don't see that being permanent, uh, and also a, a lockdown, which we don't see happening, barring those two things, uh, we still think all, new all-time highs through the end of this year and into the, the uh, first half of the next year. So uh, things are looking well, but always, always, always we believe that you should have a defensive strategy. That's why we have our, our defensive strategy to protect our clients as much as we can. We call it invest and protect. Um, and that strategy enabled us to actually get our client to, to sig signaled us rather to sell all of our stocks 
on March 10th of last year, which is before the big drop in the market, actually the day before the pandemic was even announced. Uh, and also it was uh, the same signal, the strategy that told us to sell in November of 2007 before the, the credit crisis crash uh, in 2008. So we want to help our clients and you to protect yourself from the next one because it could be devastating. I'll talk about that later on in the show. But one of the things we believe you or should take do- some advice, Pilgrim. You'll have to defend it with a gun. <laughs> well, Duke, calm down. We don't need to pull guns out here. We can, we can use our investor protect strategy instead. That would be better, I think. So uh, if you are over 50, if you are retired or retiring soon, our website is rpoa.com. I encourage you to go there and uh, you can uh, subscribe to the show for sure, have it podcasted to you. Uh, but we also uh, have seminars coming up. We have um, on, on how to manage your retirement through these uncertain times. With what's going on right now, it's important to have a plan. We're, we have one on social security, the best uh, strategies that we can share with you. So we have a lot of uh, uh, good seminars that I think you could, you could benefit from. Sign up for those. They're at uh, rpoa.com. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how much should you have in your emergency fund. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morayf. I want to talk with you now um, about how much should you have in your emergency fund. So that is, you know, one of the things that we believe is that creating the foundation, it's like building a house. Creating the foundation of your house is the most important thing. Yes, you want to have pretty stuff inside, and yes, you want to have you know beautiful windows, and you want to have all this other good stuff, and pretty doors, and uh, you know you you do all that. You want to have all that stuff as well, granted. But the foundation is what it all sits on, and that's in our view the the most important thing. So when you're building your financial plan, we believe that you need to build a strong foundation under your financial plan, and. One of the components of that strong foundation, in our view, is having an emergency fund. And, you know, the, the reason why you'd want to have that is because you want to be able to cover unusual, non-recurring types of expenses when they come along without having to sell your investments at a bad time. Okay, so for example, let's say that, uh, you know, you had some, some expense that came up uh, last year when your investments were way down because of the pandemic and you need some money. You now have to sell in a big, bad down market. Not the time to be doing that, but you have to. You're forced to take a loss and that's not a good thing. So you don't want that. You know, I was just talking to a client uh, and uh, there was a hurricane that hit Florida. Uh, a couple of months ago, I didn't even know that. Uh, you know, it didn't make the news, I guess. But he said that uh, you know, even his house. Well, this is sorry. <laughs> Jack is looking at me like, "What? You don't know what's going on?" I, I didn't. I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah, he said that it, it took it, their house. Apparently, is up on stilts. Uh, you know, there's like a six foot gap under their house to cover for this kind of thing. Well, the water got so high it flooded the whole first floor. And a lot of that was not paid for by insurance. And so there's an example of a non-recurring, hopefully, uh, unusual expense that you need to cover. And so how much should you have in your emergency fund? Well, it depends on, on whether you're working or not and also how conservative or lack thereof you want to be. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about where do you put your emergency fund? Our belief is 
you, you got to keep it in cash, okay? And what I mean by cash is at the bank in a money market fund. And I know it's not paying interest. You're going to, that money is losing money. You know, if you take into account inflation, I get all that. But think of the lost opportunity to make money on that emergency fund as the, I guess, insurance premium that you're paying, right? So the difference between what you're making, what you could have made is the cost of the insurance you're buying by having the emergency fund, if that makes sense. So, that's the first thing. Where do you have it? Second thing then is how much. So this depends upon whether you are working or not. Okay. Because if you're working, you have wages that should be able to help. So if you are working, then we believe you should have three to six months of your cost of living in cash. Okay. So if you make $5,000 a month, for example, then three to six months would be 15 to $30,000. I'm sorry, if your expenses, not how much you make, how much your expenses are. Uh, let me correct myself. If your expenses, your cost of living runs you $5,000 a month, then what you should be looking at is 15 to $30,000 in your emergency fund if you are working. Now, yeah, now if you're not working, if you're living on your investments, then we believe that that is a completely different picture. And now you should have one to two years of your cost of living in cash. And I know that's a lot of money. So if you're, if it, if your expenses are $5,000 a month, we're talking about 60 to $120,000 in your emergency fund, one to two years. It's a lot. I get it. But if you don't have a strong foundation, then you could have some significant problems when storms come, financial storms come. And so we encourage our clients. Now, when I said conserve, how conservative or lack thereof you are, that's where the difference between one and two years is. You know, we have that conversation with clients and some people feel like, you know, two years is way too much money. I don't want to have that much in cash. It's not working for me. One year is enough. Others say, no, two years is what I want. So it depends on how I guess aggressive you want to be with that. But if you are retired, we believe at least one year of your cost of living, cost of living um, in cash is what you need. And if you don't have that, then you need to build it first, we think, until you get that before you start investing money. Okay. Because again, you don't want to be forced to sell investments in a bad time to come up with cash to cover expenses that you had not foreseen. Now, what happens when you spend some of it down? Well, then you got to replenish it. (laughs) <laughs> so if you do have an emergency like the client in in, uh, in, in Florida and you got to spend some money, well, guess what? You got to fill that bucket up again. Got to have that in our view. So that's how it works. Now, if you are over 50, if you are retired or retiring soon. Yes. There's a lot of you. I know that. So if that's you, then uh, I encourage you to go to our website. It's rpoa.com, retirementplannersofamerica.com. We have lots of resources available to you there. You can you can uh, subscribe to the show so you can podcast it, listen to it whenever you'd like. And uh, I encourage you to do that. You can uh, watch videos. We have all kinds of videos on a variety of different retirement planning topics. We have uh, articles that you can read. Uh, we have also the ability for you to visit with one of our retirement planners if you go there, you click on meet with an advisor, we'll schedule a time to visit with you and we'll do it virtually or in person. 
and uh, we can we'll sit down. We'll create a financial plan with you, a retirement plan with you. And uh, at the end of that, if you like what you see and uh, you want to take advantage of that and work with us, fantastic. And if not, that's fine too. So either way, no charge, no obligation, and we will part friends. So go to our website rpoa.com and take full advantage of all the resources we've got available for you. All right. Now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about social security. The math says wait. But I'm going to go over with you why that math could be wrong. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morafe. I want to talk with you now about something that comes up in almost every conversation I would say with clients, it seems like. And that is Social Security, when, how, and all that kind of stuff. And generally speaking, the answer to when is you know the farthest out in the future that you can push it. Now, we've talked about on the show, and I'm not going to get into the details of it for this segment because I want to talk about the math and why the math could be wrong. But regardless of the math, once you turn 70, there is no more reason that, that, that we can see that would warrant waiting. Okay, There are no more increases in the amount of benefits you're going to get. There, there's no advantage at all. So once you turn 70, in our view, don't wait any longer. Take it at that time, and uh, regardless of your work, if you're working or not. So in, in, in many cases, waiting means that what happens is, is that your benefits are going to increase. The amount that you're going to receive on a monthly basis will increase by 8% per year that you wait. Okay, so that's that's a big deal. So if you wait, if you're 66, for example, and you wait till you're 70, um, you know, you're going to get an 8% increase four times. That's 32%. That's a big increase in the amount of the benefit you're going to get by waiting those four years. Now, again, I don't want to get into all of the math of the four years you gave up. That's for other shows. But let's say that the math says that it is correct that you should wait until you're 70 to start collecting Social Security. Why would you not want to do that, even though the math says it's right? Well, there's a certain thing called politics and tax laws. <laughs> and I've been doing this for, for some 30 years now, and I've been through a lot of tax law changes over the years. And one of the things that I think we can perhaps count on in the future is that if you are of a certain net worth, if you have a certain amount of income, that taxes are probably going to go up for you. All right. Um, we've got. We've got massive deficits. We're about to pass this infrastructure bill, it looks like, and another trillion dollars of stimulus. I mean, we're just borrowing money like crazy. We have to pay for that somehow, right? I mean, it's not free money. And so how, where did that come from? Where does the money from that come from? Well, guess what? If you're somebody that has a certain uh, net worth, uh, you might be the target for who's going to have to pay for that. And so if taxes go up significantly in the future, then the so and particularly on social security because they've tinkered with that in the past so if the taxes that you get from social security because they figure well you don't need social security you, you're doing well you've got a nice net worth or whatever um, then what could happen is that the benefits you think you're going to get may either be taxed at a higher level or reduced in the future because they means test you i mean you've seen what happens with medicare plan b right the premiums on that have gone up fantastically for people who have certain levels of income 
Who, who knew that was going to happen like that, right? So they'll find ways, in my opinion. So it may make sense to take your Social Security at 66 and not wait those extra four years because you may not get the benefits you think you're going to get four years from now that actually the math says you will, but the politics may override. So just a little thing for you to consider when you are thinking about when and how to take Social Security. And that is the uh, the political side of this and the, and the taxes and the deficits and all that stuff. Now, if you are in the throes of the decision as to when and how to take Social Security, then here's what I'd like you to do. Go to our website. It's rpoa.com. And when you're there, click on Meet with an Advisor. Now, if you do that, we'll schedule a time to visit with you, and we can do it virtually or in person. And what we'll do is we'll review your entire financial picture. Social Security, cannot you cannot make those decisions, in our view, in a vacuum. We need to know your age. We need to know your financial situation, your sources of income, your expenses. You know, all that kind of stuff plays into it. Your income, whether you're married or not, your dif- this, the difference in your ages, so many variables go into that. We want to help you to build a, fin- a retirement plan that has Social Security in it and make the best decision with regard to your Social Security. And we want to do that all with you at no charge or obligation. So our website is rpoa.com. Take advantage of that and we hopefully can help you. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the last three bear markets were quick. So I should ignore the next one, right? <laughs> oh boy. Well, stay tuned. This is Money Matters and I am Ken Morayf. Our firm, Retirement Planners of America, I'm founder and senior retirement planner there. We work primarily with people who are over 50, who are retired or retiring soon. And, uh, you know, recently, Inc. Magazine named us one of the uh, uh, top 5,000 fastest growing companies. Actually, twice they've done that. Um, and I Fascinating. Yes, and very logical, Mr. Spock. Uh, and I think that one of the, the major reasons why we've enjoyed the growth that we have, and by the way, without our clients, we would not be growing. So all you clients, we love you and we thank you, um, is that our foundational philosophy of how we manage our clients' money is that protection of principle is the first thing. So growth is important for sure. We want to grow our money. But protecting principle is even more important. And also, we believe that you should only take as much risk as is appropriate and necessary to accomplish your financial goals. So we only we don't want to take too much risk. We want to take what's appropriate, and we want to protect your principal as much as possible. Now, what that means then to do that, in our view, is we have a strategy we call invest and protect. Now, this strategy, for example, last year in, on March 10th when the pandemic was coming, our, our strategy signaled us that it was time to get out. And so we sold. We, we sold all of our equities uh, on March 10th of last year. And of course, uh, you know what happened after that. And so our goal is to protect our clients from big, bad, down markets. And uh, our strategy also said to sell in November of 2007, which was before the whole 2008 uh, credit crash happened. And uh, the clients that followed our advice, we were able to help protect them as well from some significant losses. So that's our goal is to do that. Now, the last three bear markets, and let me define what a bear market is. It's, it's a drop of whatever you're looking at in the equity market. So in, in the case of what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the S&P 500 index. So when I say stock market, that's what I mean. So the, 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 the S&P, the market, over the last three bear markets that it's had, where it's gone down from its peak to the bottom uh, by 20% or more. So that happened in 2015. 
It happened in 2018, and it also happened last year, in 2020 with the pandemic. So the last three bear markets were very fast. The Federal Reserve stepped in and threw trillions of dollars at it, and the, the, the market turned right around very quickly. And so those bear markets were very short-lived. I mean, they were fast on the way down. I mean, think about how fast the market went down last year. I mean, it went down 43% in the blink of an eye, it seemed like. But then it recovered in the blink of an eye, it seemed like, as well. So these last three bear markets, therefore, have been very fast, very quick, recovered quickly, and therefore, we should ignore them from now on. Well, I'm here to tell you, no. <laughs> okay, just because the last three happened very quickly and we recovered fast, very quickly from them does not mean that it is the end of a long, big, bad bear. Okay? You're a persistent cuss, pilgrim. I am very persistent because my job, as I perceive it, is to have our clients' money last as long as they do. Okay, we want your money to last as long as you do, and we want you to have financial peace of mind. We don't want you to worry about this. So there's two components of that. One is if you experience a big down, even though it may recover quickly, you don't have peace of mind. I mean, unless your, your gut is made out of cast iron and you take sleeping pills, I don't know how if, you're, if you see your investments drop by 43% or 59% as they did in, uh, in, in uh, 2008 or 50% as they did in uh, Y2K, if that were to happen to you and you can sleep through that and not worry about it, I admire you. <laughs> I couldn't do it. So protecting from that, we believe, is very important. Now, will all the bear markets in the future be short-lived like the last three? I think if you assume that, that is a dangerous assumption. You know, our view is you plan for the worst and you hope for the best. You don't plan for the best and hope the worst doesn't happen. So the last three bear markets, in our view, have been a beautiful thing from the standpoint of how fast it recovered, and it just felt like no harm, no foul. But if you plan the future around that happening again, I think you're doing that at your own peril, okay? In our view, it is better to plan for the worst and be wrong than just, you know, plan that the worst won't happen and be wrong. Which one of those two would you rather be? So prepare for the worst and hope for the best is our view. And so that's why our invest and protect strategy is in place. And that's why we engage it when we see when, when it triggers for us and tells us that our clients are at risk of extreme danger and extreme losses. And the problem with big losses, and I've talked about this in other shows, is that recovering from a loss is way, way more difficult than making money. So if you, if you lose half your money, then you have to double your money to get back to even. So the effect of losses is way more severe than you might think. And, so, and, and, and that assumes you're not even taking money out for that to happen. So we want to protect you from that to the extent that we, we can. Now, if that message, if that philosophy resonates with you, then I encourage you to go to our website. It's rpoa.com. We have uh, several seminars going on right now. They're virtual um, that you could attend. Um, and there's no charge or obligation. They're designed for those of you who are over 50 who, who are retired or retiring soon. So at the at <laughs> yes, at that seminar, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how to how to figure out if you have enough money to retire on. 
Okay, we call that your magic number. We're going to talk about where you get your income from once you are retired. Okay, you've got IRAs, you've got non-taxable, you've got taxable, you may have annuities, you got life insurance, you got all these different places where you have money. Where do you get it? We're going to talk about Social Security. What are the uh, thought processes that you should go through in making the decision as to when and how to take Social Security? We're going to talk about how much risk is appropriate for you with your investments. We'll show you how to how to figure that out. Um, so we have a lot of information that I think will be of great benefit to you at our seminar. So go to the website, rpoa.com, and the seminar is called plan, uh, Retirement Planning in These Very Uncertain Times. Okay, so uh, sign up for that. I think you'll benefit from it. RPOA.com is the website. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to pass on to your greedy, unwashed, undeserving heirs the fruits of your labor. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morayf. Let's talk now about uh, a concept uh, that, that I kind of came up with a few years ago when I was talking to a client, and it is the concept of love units. All right, so what are love units? And... Uh, when it comes to your leaving an inheritance and how do you use them and all that. So we're going to go over into that with you. But first, Jack, can you play it? I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire. And of course, that is Tony Bennett with Rags to Riches. And you know, the estate taxes and probate and all that kind of stuff, they're actually designed to do the exact opposite. They're designed to take you from riches to rags. We do not want that to happen to you. So every week at this time, we have our estate tip of the week. So this week, we're going to talk about love units. Okay, so um, to describe what love units are and how we came up with that term, um, I go back to um, a, a, a person I was talking to, a successful attorney doing very well, and uh, his mom asked him to change the will and essentially give more of what she had to this person's sister because she's a teacher and she's not doing as well as you are and she could use the money more than you. <laughs> well, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, why? He goes, because. What, do you love my sister more than me? Is that why you want to leave her more to, than you want to leave me? And she was like, no, it's got nothing to do with whether I love you or not. I love you both the same. But I think your sister could use the money more than you, so that's why I want to do that. He was very, very upset by that. So it, it's a very interesting thing. But if you are going to leave a, a different amount to your children, if you have more than one child, of course, um, they don't perceive what they get as money or assets or whatever it is that you're leaving them. They perceive it as love units. So everything, every dollar is a love unit. And if you leave more dollars to that child than this child, then guess what? You must love that child more than this child because you gave them more love units. And the child that gets less love units is going to be very, very upset at you. And you're dead now, so they're mad at you posthumously. And they're also going to resent their sibling because mom and dad must have loved you more than me. So don't do that. Okay, so remember, they are love units. 
So if you're going to give one child more love units than another, make sure you have the meeting with the child that's going to get less and explain to them why. You know, in the case of this one, she just told him and, and he didn't take it well. I think if she had couched it a little bit better and been a little more diplomatic and said, you know, I've been considering, you know, that I'd like to uh, and ask, you know, this is what I think. Your sister does, isn't doing as well as you are. And so I think it would be more beneficial for her. And you have that conversation. I think that would be a much better route than if they read the will. And that's when they find out. Because the only frame of reference they have at that point is these are love units. Mom and dad loved you more than me. And I resent that. And I resent mom and dad as well. And that's, I think, not the legacy that you want to leave. So remember, it's all about love units. (laughs) So not really a legal term. It's not really one that lawyers can draft around. But it is one that I think you should consider when you're doing your estate planning. Anyway, so... um, I'm glad we had this talk. Well, I am too, Tom. So... One of the things that we do uh, for you, if you are a client, is we help you with your estate planning. Now, we're not lawyers. We don't draft documents. We don't do all that. But we can help you to think through the, 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 the permutations and the tax laws and all that stuff to help you to be in a position to make the best decision. Now, that's not the only thing we do. So what I'd like you to do is go to our website. It's rpoa.com. And while you're there, you can click on Meet with an Advisor. Now, if you do that, we'll schedule a time to visit with you either in person or virtually. And uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll help build your retirement plan from soup to nuts. We'll look at your cash flow. We'll help you with income tax decisions, social security decisions, um, your in- insurance decisions, your estate planning decisions. We'll even help you to decide if you have enough money to retire on, if you can take that trip you want to take. We'll go through all of that with you. We'll help you to build the whole plan at no charge or obligation. And if we can help you, fantastic. Fantastic, and if not, that's fine too. Either way, like I said, no charge. Oh dear, that's too wonderful to be true. Well, Dorothy, it's not too wonderful to be true because it is true, and we will part friends. Okay, so take advantage of that. Go to our website; it's rpoa.com. Well, you know what? This show's over already. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe how fast it's gone. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it for you. We'll see you next week, same time, same channel. Bye, bye, everybody. <laughs> It's only the beginning. Information presented should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned. None of this show's content should be viewed as personalized investment advice. A professional advisor should be consulted before implementing any of the strategies presented. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and therefore can be no assurance that any specific investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. The tax and estate planning information offered on this program is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Sound effects or anecdotes should not be construed as an endorsement of Ken Morave or MMWKM Advisors LLC. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.